God is so good. If you got your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 10. And uh, as I mentioned, we've been walking through the book of Acts, but we are, uh, we're going to put a pause on that just for three weeks as we walk through um, our Becoming series. And the heart behind that is that, um, is that God has a design to our lives. And that design is to live for his glory. It's to live for his mission. Uh, that God has created us, as the Bible says, that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2. And so today is, is really kicking that off with what is, as the believer, our, our, our biggest priority, our most important priority in life, and that is loving God. Uh, so uh, over the summer, we had an amazing summer. It's hard to believe that we just wrapped up our first uh, full week of school. And, and I know college is fixing to get kicked off. And it just seemed like so quick. Summer just, just went by so fast. And, uh, but so many awesome God moments and, and memories made over, the, past, over the, the course of the summer. And I don't know exactly when it was, but at some point during the summer, uh, as I was driving my, my truck on the open road, I, I started feeling my, my truck start to just kind of subtly kind of veer to the side. Uh, and, and maybe yours is doing that right now, so you can relate. But it just kind of started veering to the side just a little bit. And, and in my mind, it's like I, I know what I need to do. I, it's time for a realignment. I need to stop. I need to make this a priority. I need to take my truck to the shop and they do whatever they do to realign my vehicle so it will run the way it is supposed to run. But, but you know, there's all kinds of good intentions that I have and perhaps you have too. That good intention of, well, I, I will get it fixed. And so when summer's over, that's when I'll get it fixed because, because all of us have a certain amount of hours in the day and, and, and for whatever reason, we, it's hard to add one more thing or to make room for something that we know is important, but there's a lot of other things going on too. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And, and what happened was even without teaching myself or telling myself to do this, I started noticing that, that the subtle veer was becoming more of an obvious veer. And then so much so that like I began driving all the time with a little added pressure on the left side of my steering wheel and I got used to living life with the veer. <laughs> so much so that like, okay, I know, I know I need to get this checked out. I know I need to get it fixed, but, but, but I just got used to living life in that veer. And so whether it was the potholes that I'd hit or it was running on, up on curves that, that I did, which I try not to do, or driving Lamar into Memphis like over and over just what happened was those potholes and things began to take a toll on my vehicle to the point where alignment was knocked off and I began to veer. And so I share that because we are all created for a relationship with Jesus. We're all created with a relationship with Jesus to live for his glory, to live for his mission. But if we are not intentional to stop, and to invest the time and the energy of pouring into our personal relationship with Jesus, what will happen is our lives will begin to veer a little bit. We'll begin to veer a little bit off of what we know is God's best or, or God's way. We, we kind of end up going what we think is best or, or, or 
our way. And what happens is over time is that we can veer. And we know what we need to do. We need to take the, 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 the time to stop and invest in that relationship to realign our lives, if you will, to the, the will of the Lord. But good things begin to edge out the best thing. And other commitments and other priorities can, can kind of edge Christ off the throne of our lives. So as a believer... Uh, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. He rescues us. We are secure in him. But I think any believer could share that there have been those moments where we had Christ in our life, but he was not on the throne of our life. And what happens when that happens is we begin to veer a little bit off of what we know God desires for our life. I think of one of my favorite hymns is Come Thy Fount. And there's a little line in there that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That there's just this, this, this flesh veering that takes place. We don't like it. We don't intend it. Just kinda, it just kind of happens. And I, I think about uh, last week, we left off by going over to Revelation chapter 2 where Christ gives instruction to the church at Ephesus. There are seven churches and they each received instruction uh, and, and to, the, to the, the church there in Ephesus over in Revelation chapter two, Jesus essentially tells them that you have endured, that uh, you have not put up with evil, that you have tested teaching to ensure that it aligns with God's authority and you have not grown weary. In other words, you have done lots of good things. Way to go. Like straight A's, you made it. But then he says this, Revelation chapter two, verse four, he says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. In other words, you didn't lose it, but you've left it. You've veered. And so perhaps with other believers in the room, we find our place saying, God, I know you love me. Like I'm amazed that you love me. And I, I'm amazed that, 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 uh, that the Bible says there's nothing that can separate me from your love. Romans 8, some of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And that, that how amazed we are that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus came and lived this life, this perfect life that we could never live. We could never do it. Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law that's due for our sin. Like he did it. He did what we could never do. He was crucified on the cross and he rose from the dead, proving he alone has the power to forgive sin, to rescue us, places his spirit in us. We know, I read, read it just a moment ago, Ephesians 2, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance that we could walk in. That as believers, he gives us the, the presence of his Holy Spirit living in us, dwelling in us. And so we can know all of these amazing things that God has, has blessed us with. And yet, for whatever reason, there's a, there's a, a hindrance or we veer from investing in what we know is the most important thing we can do in the world. And that is to simply love him. To love him. If I were to take a poll, I was like, hey, give me the definition of love. How do you, how do you define love? 
And, and my hunch is somewhere it's going to come back around to sacrifice. That, that you sacrifice for the well-being of the other. You invest, you sacrifice time for the other. You sacrifice energy for the other. Like we know what love is. And yet when the Pharisees were trying to nail Jesus over Matthew 22 and they were like, hey, tell us what the greatest commandment is. Jesus did not hesitate. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. Loving God is the priority of the believer's life. David in the Old Testament, King David, Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. One thing. Paul, he had a one thing over the New Testament, Philippians 3, 13, 14. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing is the pursuit of loving God with our lives. And so how do we become everything God made us to be? Because we know he has created us for a relationship, that there's good works that he's prepared in advance that we will walk in. We, he has a plan for our life. We, we, that plan has all kinds of application. But where does it start? And it starts simply with loving God and so our love for God is reflected in our worship of God. Our main idea around this text is our love is reflected in our worship. And so today we're going to get a great picture of worship. If you had to define worship, a definition would be to, it's, it's our recognition and it's our response to God for who he is, for what he's done and what we're trusting him to do with our lives. And so what we're going to see is a picture of, of two sisters who I have no doubt love each other and they love the Lord. I believe that. But yet the practical living out of their lives looks way different from each other. One is going to look uh, and be marked more by devotion and the other is going to be looked and marked more by distraction. So, so let's look at the devotion of Mary in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, the Bible says this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Who's they? Jesus and his disciples. They're making their way around Judea uh, and they make their way into this village. Luke doesn't tell us the name of the village. Matter of fact, this is the only place in the Bible or in the Gospels that you'll read this story. But if you go to other Gospels, you will see other, other events that happen in Martha's home. And so we know that Martha's home was in Bethany, about two miles from Jerusalem. And it was here that you had, you had Martha, this is her house. You had Mary, they're the sisters of Lazarus. And so uh, that incredible miracle and, and, and how all that took place with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. There's a lot of amazing things that God did there in Bethany. Uh, but, but it says that this is, this is Martha's house. So it, it makes us think perhaps she's widowed. We don't know that for sure. Uh, but, but evidently she, she, it's her house and Mary's there living with her and, and Lazarus is, is there as well. And so, so here they are and they're, they're living out uh, life and Jesus comes in the door 
And, and I love this. A woman named Martha welcomed him into the house. If you were, we were to dig into that word welcome, it would mean just an enthusiastic, can you believe this Jesus is here kind of welcome. Jesus is in our home. She is ecstatic. She is excited. Jesus literally is in the house, in her house. And so we're going to see kind of some different dynamics play out as Jesus is in the room. And if you are, by the way, an older brother or an older sister, or if you are a younger brother or a younger sister, um, we don't have enough time today, but we can probably share uh, kind of over the years, we love each other, don't we? We really do. We love each other. But growing up, there can be some of those tensions. Well, we are going to see a tension that arises in the house. Verse 39, the Bible says, And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is such a powerful verse. It paints a picture of devotion. I want you to think about what happens in Mary's world when Jesus is in the room. First, and I think it's important, Mary had the discipline to stop. I think that's important to see because I don't know if, of how many doers in the house we have, but, but I'm a doer. And if you're a doer, then you understand we, we thrive in doing. That's what we do. We thrive when we're doing. And so no doubt Martha is a doer. Perhaps Mary is as well. But I do know that Mary was able to stop. She was able to stop what she was doing. And I think that is such a discipline in our busy, charged lives. Is this ability to stop. No doubt Mary walk, woke up and I'm sure like Martha probably had a, a list of things that she needed to get done. I'm sure just like Lazarus, she had a list of things to get done. I'm sure just probably like everybody in Bethany had, had a list of things that need to, needed to be done. But for Mary, when Jesus came in the room, she stopped everything. And all of a sudden, those things that needed to be done, all of a sudden weren't the most important thing that needed to be happening right then. And not only were those tasks to be completed still there, but there was something more important that was happening in that moment. And the errands are still there to run. I'm sure probably some good errands that needed to be done. But in that moment, that was no longer the most important thing that needed to be done. What was most important was that she stopped what she's doing and that she humbled herself. I want you to see that posture of humility sitting at the Lord's feet. Humility is to get low. Humility is what happens when we recognize who God is and we recognize who we are in light of his presence. We recognize who he is and who we are and it brings her Low. And I love this is she did not listen from a distance. Like Jesus wasn't in the room and he's on that side and she's on this side. But for her, it was like, I got to get as close to him as I possibly can. And not only as close as she possibly can, but she humbles herself and she bows at his feet 
And the Bible says that she listened. If you dig into that word, that word means she, there was a continual hearing. In other words, it wasn't like, oh, that's a, that's a good verse or that's a good word and just on about the day. She continually had this posture of hungering for the word of God in her life, hungering for the presence of God, hungering for the word of God. She's somebody like Jesus would describe as someone who builds their life on a firm foundation. Over in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. And so what was more important than anything for her was investing in this love relationship with Jesus. She, she stops and she brings herself low and she continually listens for the word of God. She desperately needed the word of God. For Mary, there was one voice that was more important than any other voice in her life. It was more important than Martha's voice, which Martha no doubt has an important voice. Needs to be heard, needs to be valued, but there's a voice that's more important than hers. Friendships, I'm sure Mary had friendships and, 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 and in that moment, there's one voice that's even more important than our friendships. That I don't know if she had children, not sure, but, but in that moment, that Mary understood there's a voice that is more important, it's more important than the voice of her children. Students, uh, friendships, and, and we all have friendships of all age. And those, those friendships, we value what they say. We listen to what they say. We care what they say. But for Mary, there is a voice that is above all of those. That, that there's the voice of social media and there's the voice of the news. And there's, all kind, there's no shortage of voices. But for Mary, there was one voice that was that was valued more than any other. And it was the voice of Jesus. And if she was going to hear the voice of Jesus, she needed to draw close, stop what she was doing, humble her heart and continually listen to what he said. And they didn't live in this day, but, but my hunch is if Mary had a smartphone, she would probably at least turn it on silent, put it to the side. At least turn the notifications off. So there could be this focus time. If there was a TV in the house, it, it, it's, it, there are times when you just turn the TV off because we need to hear the voice of the Lord. It's the most important voice. Uh, Donald Whitney wrote a book called uh, Christ, uh, Disciplines of the Christian Life. It's, 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 if you're looking for a book on Christian disciplines, it's one of the best. It's a, it's a powerful book. But here's what he says about the word. He says, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and the meat of scripture. The reasons for this are obvious. In the Bible, God tells us about himself and especially about Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God. The Bible unfolds the law of God to us and shows us how we've all broken it. And there we learn how Christ died as a sinless, willing substitute for the breakers of God's law and how we must repent and believe in him to be right with God. 
In the Bible, we learn the ways and will of the Lord. We find in Scripture how to live in a way that is pleasing to God, as well as what's best and most fulfilling for our lives. None of this eternally essential information can be found anywhere else except in the Bible. Therefore, if we would know God and be godly, we must know the Word of God intimately. And so we see this picture of devotion. Stopping. Stopping. Humbling our hearts. She humbled her heart and she continually listened to the word of the Lord. The devotion of Mary. Now let's look at the distractions of Martha. So in verse 40, the Bible says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And I read this. And and again, I do not doubt Martha's love for the Lord. Do not doubt that. But it is possible for well-meaning Jesus-loving people to lose sight of what matters most. That word distracted literally means to be dragged away. So she was literally dragged away, don't miss this, by good things. Good things, not bad things. Like we all know about the bad stuff. Yeah, we need to stay away from that stuff. But the good stuff, there's a guest here. We got to get this house ready. And so let's get to work. We got to get the food ready. Let's get to work. We got to get the bed ready, get to work. We got to work, 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 work. And all these good things Got in what? Got in the way. Dragged her away, literally is the word, of the best thing for her. The best thing. And that was to stop and listen to the voice of God. And I think there is a word of warning for us. And it's of encouragement for us. And that is, is that it is very possible for really good things to get in the way of the best thing. And it's not uncommon for people who love the Lord and love people and love his word to do and keep doing and find theirself, whether it is burnout or whether it is a fall or whether it is um, just something that would cause us to need a realignment. And so there is a warning of a major pothole and I, I just, it's worth mentioning But it's warning when our doing for God outpaces our being with God. That when our doing for God outpaces our being with God, there is potential for a breakdown. Our doing outpaces our being. If you ever think about uh, the Great Commission, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, uh, he gave them the Great Commission, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Did you notice what he did beforehand? He called them to be with him and they worshiped him and then he sent them out. Mark 3, same thing. Before he called them out to go two by two, he brought them close so they might be with him. Jesus calls us to be with him before he ever calls us to go. And so if you are are feeling yourself veering, okay, veering, it can easily happen. And it can happen in a really a a blink. And before we know it, we're adding our hand on the steering wheel to just kind of keep us between the lines. We've gotten used to it. But, but, But the Holy Spirit desires to 
strengthen us, reveal to us, and guide us in a way that is life and life to the full, like he, like he shares. My wife and I, for ever since, I think maybe it was when we started uh, our family and, and, and kiddos, is we, we, we call our house a bus sometimes. And there are times where we'll say that the, the wheels on the, the bus feel like they're about to fall off. <laughs> in other words, that we've, whether it's we've bitten off more than we can chew or there's just a whole extra lot of things going on and, and, and one more thing got added, it can look a lot of different ways. But we know what that's like, right? The wheels on the bus are about to, to fall off. And so what does that mean? That means we need to stop the bus. <laughs> and it means we need to drill in what's most important. And it may mean that we need to make some significant adjustments in order to realign our lives to what God's will and what God's purpose is for our lives. And so if you feel like the wheels on the bus are coming out, see this as, as and I, I see it as God's gracious encouragement to us to be like, it's time to realign. We've all stopped at least for a few minutes, right? And we got the open word and it's like, okay, what does this look like? And it starts with, there it is, number one, investing time in your personal love relationship with the Lord. That's critical. If that's not there, the other stuff's not going to work. Like this is what drives everything that we do. And a second encouragement that, that, that if we feel the wheels on the bus are here, number one, drill in our personal, investing our personal relationship with the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. A second is the necessity of community, the necessity of accountability. We all do better when people are watching us, don't we? We, we all do. It's no different. As we strive to live for the Lord, it's not about doing, but it's the encouragement that comes in walking through life with, as a man, some godly men, and as a lady, some godly women. My wife is going to get on a plane and go to Detroit on Wednesday. And the reason being is because she has a very good friend that the wheels on the bus are feeling like they're going to come out. And they're burying her father and, and she, needs, she needs somebody there with her. And so, and so that Christian community and that accountability is important. God's gifted us that. And so, and so it's the investing in our personal relationship. It's that Christian accountability. Another is establishing healthy rhythms of work and rest. Healthy rhythms. I mentioned, I think a few moments ago, I'm a doer. I'm a worker. I love to work. I enjoy, I thrive at working. I really do. My hunch is probably many of you do as well. But, but we are not superheroes and we have capacity and we have limits. God created us with limits. And so even God, God didn't need rest, okay? He created Everything in six days, he ceased from work. He didn't need to cease from work. He, he's God, but he's giving us a healthy map on how to sustain life. And so, so this need for rhythm and rest, if the wheels are feeling like they're coming off, maybe it's, I need to take a day off. Maybe I just need to go something that, 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 that is life-giving, whatever that is, but, but we're we need healthy rhythms in our life if the wheels on the bus are going to stay on. And then another thought is just adjustments may need to be made. 
It may require some taking this off or moving this around and moving that there because, because we, we, we need to keep our priorities in the right way. We need to invest in our love relationship with the Lord. There's a phrase that Andy Stanley said years ago, and I, I, I love it, and it's obvious, but it's this, an unsustainable pace is unsustainable. That's why it's called that. I mean, you can't do that forever and there not at some point be a wall or a breakdown at some point. And so Martha allowed good things to override the best thing. And you can almost sense, and I don't know, but you almost sense a little bit of self-righteous frustration in Martha. I mean, you could almost picture with a hand on her hip and, and, and point a finger. Like, what is going on in this room right now? What is happening? So much so, she rebukes God. That's what happens in this text. She is rebuking God. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? In other words, God, do you know what you're doing? Do you have a clue what's going on in my life? And she didn't even stop there. But she went on, not only did she rebuke God, but she told God what God needed to do. <laughs> she said, she said, well, tell her then to help me. And so she rebukes God and then she tells God what to do. To which I would, for us, again, it's just, a, it's just an encouragement is that if we find ourselves in our communication with the sovereign Lord to be one of telling him what he doesn't see and telling him what he doesn't know and telling him what he should do and telling him that his will should align with my will, that is a cause to stop. And it is time for a spiritual realignment. It is time to Stop. Things are out of control and the doing for God has officially outpaced the being with God. And it's time to evaluate and it's time to realign. And so there's a lot of concerning things in this passage. But one, one observation that I had that is one of the most concerning that I have is that if you notice, like it just almost seems like the joy has been robbed of Martha's life. Like it starts amazing. Jesus is here. Welcome him in. Like energy, excitement, everything is awesome. Let's, let's roll, let's roll. And then it was like in a blink, it was gone. And the doing kicked in and the frustration kicked in and the anger kicked in. And, and now she's telling God what to do. And, and then she's mad at Mary. And all of this stuff is happening in the picture. And so... May we, by God's grace, acknowledge what's going on in the room. And, and what happened was, is how is your joy? If you're a believer, you've been rescued by God's grace. You've been forgiven of your sin. How is your joy? To which I would say, and I think we can see it in the text, we can oftentimes, it's not maybe the factor, but definitely a factor, is that our joy in the Lord is connected in our intimacy with the Lord. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life in your, here it is, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. 
And so if we are racing through life and we're not prioritizing our love relationship with Jesus, then we are missing out on this, this, this joy that God wants to pour into our hearts, into our lives. And so the joy and the presence of the Almighty was traded in for anger and bitterness. And in verse 41, the Bible says, but the Lord answered her. Now, you want to hear grace? We are about to hear a gracious response. God has just been told what he doesn't know. And he's just been told what to do. And this is the grace that Jesus pours in to Martha. He says this, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. He says this, he says, Martha, Martha. And I'm not going to pick on my wife, but I'm just going to say, Amber, Amber. <laughs> Jared, Jared. Andy, Andy. And what he's saying is, I, I'm trying to teach you something that is essential. Like what I'm about to share with you is so vital. It is the most important thing that you can do is to invest time in a personal relationship with me and listen to my word. Jesus is getting her attention and she looks at her and she says, you're anxious and you're troubled. Is it just me or is the climate in our world and in our country one that could be described as anxious and troubled? That we find ourselves in a unique season and time in history where there is a pandemic that is happening in our world. That this is no respecter of persons. It's impacted practically every person's life in some way or another. Closely distance. Um, I think about the country. There's so many things that divide our nation. And, and what can happen is, is anxiety and, and being overwhelmed with troubles can kind of, can kind of, it can feel like it can almost overtake us. But this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You are troubled. This is the one thing that is necessary. This is the one thing that is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. It literally means Mary has chosen best. It is the best and wisest investment you make to, to invest in your personal relationship with the Lord. And for Martha, she allowed the temporary to eclipse the transcendent in her life. And in all of this, she missed the one thing, listening to the word of the Lord. That is what is best. And so which one describes your relationship with the Lord? Again, I got no doubt Martha loves the Lord. And I got no doubt Mary loves the Lord. But how their lives are being lived out look way different. And so would our relationship with the Lord be one that would be described more of devotion? Nobody has it 100% together. But we lean more on the devotion side or would we say we are, in a, we are in a spot where distraction seems to be on the rise and anxiety and troubles. And, and that kind of describes more of the, 
the world that you live in. And so there's so much to learn here. And, and by God's grace, we need to walk in wisdom and the power of His Spirit. But we cannot take another step forward without hearing from the Lord and investing in time with the Lord. And so if you are more in the devoted camp, can I just say, keep stopping, <laughs> keep humbling, keep listening. Keep stopping, keep humbling, keep, keep listening. Don't let anything drag you away from, from that most important investment, your investment in relationship with the Lord. And, and what I love about Mary is there is another scene that takes place over in John's gospel, 11 and 12. Might be familiar with it. Mary is in the same spot she was in this story. She's at the feet of Jesus. And she takes this pound of expensive perfume and she pours it all over the feet of Jesus, anointing him as he is in six days, there's six days from Passover, anointing his body to be the true ultimate Passover lamb. And she has found herself at the feet of Jesus and she's pouring out. The Bible says that smell filled the room. And she is wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. And in this picture, she's at the feet of Jesus. And in that picture, she's at the feet of Jesus. And so keep stopping, keep humbling, keep listening to the word of the Lord and to the distracted. Maybe, maybe you feel like my truck, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you just, you just kind of got this little fear and you know, you know, like, like this can't just keep going on. You know, the, the, dis the discipline to stop has to be there. It's time to stop. It's time to, it's time to, 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 to pull into the, the, you can tell I don't work on cars, <laughs> the garage and, and it's time to drill in, man. It's trying to drill in what's most important. And so it's time to realign our lives and that we experience the joy of the Lord. And so perhaps it's just a fresh commitment. Listen, I, I don't have a legalistic bone in my body. I am a grace guy, okay? I am grace to the core. But what I do know is that by his grace, that I desperately need his word every single day. I desperately need his word every single day. I operate out of grace, not of a, oh no, I don't want God to be mad at me. We operate out of grace. We are people of grace. Praise God for his grace. Amen. Praise God for his grace. But we desperately need the word in our lives. And so perhaps it's a recommitment to the word. If you don't know where to start, maybe start in John. But just get your Bible, get, get something to write on, just carve out some time. Now, I'm not even saying how long. I just, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. But you just, you open your Bible and you pray that the Holy Spirit would, would take that word and apply to your heart. Maybe write down what God's teaching you and spend time in prayer, communicating to God, resting in Him, listening for the leadership of His Holy Spirit in your life. God, I know that love, as I mentioned earlier, love is not a passive thing. There's sacrifice involved every single time. True love 
equals sacrifice. And so perhaps some things need to be sacrificed and moved around, but He is worthy of it. As a church, we want to help everyone become everything God made us to be. That's what this series is about. This is about loving God. We're going to talk about loving people next week. We're talking about living sin next week. As a church, we are, we are creating, for lack of a better word, what we're going to call a, 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 the becoming pathway. And so what this is, is there's three steps in this pathway. There's love God, there's love people, there's live sin. And so a couple times a year, what we're going to do is we're going to offer during the Sunday school hour, basically a one hour class that's going to be called the Love God Pathway class. We're going to do it on the first Sunday of September. And, and, and so we're going to sprinkle them in. It's not an every month or even an every week thing. It's just we're going to sprinkle them in. And here's what this is about. It's, it's for the purpose of helping each other, helping a person that says, I know I need to invest in my love relationship with the Lord. And so, so together, let's learn what it means to live a gospel-saturated life. How do you, how, what's the right approach with the Bible? Where do you start? How do you walk through it? How do you study the Word? We talk about a prayer. Well, like I got a hunch and I, I know I, I, I pray, like prayer is important, but what are some helps to have a more meaningful prayer time? But it's all about just, it's just all about helping people grow in that and that devotion of their life. And so I encourage you, if, 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 if you're like, you know what? I, I'm up for that. I could, I could be a part of that. I, I would be up for that. Like, let's do it. And we're just going to sprinkle them in. And so let's love the Lord. But the last thing I would say is this. It's one more word of encouragement. But I love 1 John 4.19. And I want to land here. And that is, we love because He first loved us. God made the first move. I love that. In spite of my sin, in spite of myself, in spite of my sin, in spite of myself, God made the first move. And maybe you've heard it a billion times. And here's a billion and first time. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And so... Perhaps today is the day where, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I need a relationship with Jesus. You're created for a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, I encourage you today, acknowledge and admit your sin and your need. And repent means you change your mind about that sin. You don't like it. It's a change of direction and you surrender your life to the Lord the risen Lord. And what happens is amazing. He cleanses us of all of our sin. The Bible teaches us he clothes us in his righteousness, which means when God sees me, he sees me through his son. That is how we and why we can have eternal life because we're in Christ. Not only that, he gifts us his Holy Spirit, his presence living in us, dwelling in us, 
to, to have the, the grace to put one foot in front of the next. And he is, he is, he is good works which he prepared in advance that we should walk in them. And there is no fuller life outside of the life that Christ desires to give us. Full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the spirit. And so I want to pray for us. And, um, and we're going to have a, a song. And as we do that, I just want to encourage you. We're, we're going to have some pastors down here. We would love to pray over you. That would be a gift for us to be able to pray over you. If you want to come to the altar, I just want to say, I don't, I don't, I know I don't need to say it, but just like, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to come and pray. If you see somebody across the room that you know, and you're, you want to, hey, can you pray for me? Like, take that step. Pray for one another. Whatever it is, let's allow the Lord to work in our hearts in a way that honors him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message Thank you for the message of your word. That God in your grace and care, God in a world that is swirling with anxiety and trouble, that God, you invite us, your children, to stop, to humble ourselves, and to rest in your presence and in your word that you have created us for a loving relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would find us sensitive to your leadership in our life, carving out what is most important. And God, that you would speak and lead and guide in a way that will come no other way than spending time with you. And Father, for Anybody who may be here and not have a relationship with you, I pray even in these next few moments that today would be the day of salvation. There is nothing that matters more than that decision in a person's life. And so God, I pray, I pray God, I pray Father that God, your presence would be strong in our lives and in the life of our faith family. I pray, God, for the lost to be saved. I pray, God, for courageous obedience to follow you. You said, follow me, I will make you. We just, by your grace, follow. You change our lives. We surrender to you. And God, that you would be honored in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.